Welcome to Deep Tech 315. That's Doug. I'm Gene. Our three topics this week is takeaways from CES. Second, tech layoffs are beginning again. And last, we're going to talk about big news from Hertz taking a major step back from their embracement, embracing EVs. So we'll jump to the, the top of the fold. Doug, we've made trips to CES in the past. This year, we didn't make trips to CES. I think I've always been tainted about CES when I realized in like 2004 that Apple didn't want to participate in CES because they thought it was kind of rogue tech going on there. And they would put Macworld back in the day. That was a big event for them to announce new products right up against uh, CES. Of course, the iPhone famously uh, in 2007 was announced right around CES. And so I've always kind of thought of this as a, a sideshow, but still a ton of people go there and there's a lot of announcements and it's worth at least one uh, five minute segment of, of uh, this week. And so my question, Doug, is um, we'll say we're just on the same page related to the importance of CES, but did anything jump out to you as noteworthy? Hard to miss that there was a lot of talk about AI. Everything's about AI right now, which I think is for good reason. The one product that I feel like I saw all over my feed yesterday, at least, was this Rabbit R1. So it's basically, it's like this small, probably like a, I'm aging myself, but like half of a Game Boy basically is, is about how big it looks. Um, okay. And it's an AI connected device. They kind of have like this large action uh, model, I believe is what they called it where you can essentially ask the device verbally to do various different things. Um, and I believe it connects then with your smartphone and sort of handles tasks for you. So the idea is it's, it's sort of like this hardware-based agent. Um, I didn't personally get like the use case for it, but I think it's a cool experiment. You know, like we're going to see a lot of experiments as we live now in this world of AI, devices trying to figure out, you know, how do we use this software in a unique way in the physical world. Agree on that. And my sense too, is I, I didn't really see the need for a hardware piece to this. It feels like this should just be something embedded in, in Siri or Hey Google or Alexa, isn't it? That feels like the ultimate future for, for all these things is uh, Siri, which I don't know, it feels like semi-abandoned, same for Google Assistant and Alexa. You know, maybe they make a comeback and they do become these useful agents and, and deliver on kind of the promise mm -hmm. that we all thought maybe they had five, six years ago. Now with these large language models that are so much more capable than the old, I mean, I don't even want to call it AI five, six years ago. It feels like a, a, a tarnishing of what we're doing now. Um, but that old model of AI that really wasn't that capable, you know, if they, if they get supercharged with our current LLMs, there may be some more promise there. And I think just in terms of the concept, I think of what this is doing, this personalized AI piece, like selling me an Uber or, uh, you know, book a calendar invite for friends and I, that's what Rabbit wants to do. I think that is, a, 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 will be a truism. I think that's going to be a, a clear uh, use case for AI. So I think Rabbit's on the right case with that. Anything else, uh, no is an acceptable answer, but anything else jump out for you at CES? I'm a CES bear. I, I never uh, really believed in spending a ton of time there. I always felt like, 
kind of once Apple broke away from Macworld so many years ago that the biggest companies and the biggest announcements really kind of get made on their own. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that came out over the last couple uh, days, but I haven't seen anything where I really said, wow, that is game changing. And from me, from my perspective, I, I would put this, it's not the game changing category, but something that was noteworthy, uh, Sony, their car, Afila, that's A-F-E-E-L-A. Uh, that is was announced a year ago, so they showed more of like the software. That's going to be built by Honda, branded as Sony. They're saying 2026. I'll take the over on that and say before 2030, before we see that vehicle. And Honda, who's just been nowhere when it comes to EVs, did talk about a couple new uh, EVs that caught my eye. Again, this is 2026, so uh, late to the party, but the party uh, still is not over. One of them looks just like uh, just way too sports car -y, I think, for most, almost like a 80s Lamborghini. And the other is kind of a, a, a remix on the Caravan, which I thought was pretty cool in terms of how they've rethought some of the seating. But, you know, the big picture is that I, I think what jumped out to me is less that Sony and Honda had EV announcements, more that just it's still 2026 and beyond. And this whole EV thing is taking longer for these companies to embrace it and for consumers as we've we're going to talk more about at the end with hertz so um i would say one piece that ces did get right is ai and sometimes these themes some years it's drones some years it's 3d tvs and this year ai is they've got the theme right based on how we're seeing this at deep water that this should be the theme at ces for the next five years i mean uh, it's hard to understate it as a reminder, we think we're going into a bull market here, uh, going into a bubble related to uh, AI here. We're really excited about playing that front end of that bubble. So we're yeah, going to shift. I would amend something quick too there, which is I wouldn't say CES got it right. I mean, the companies are getting companies it right, it. Yeah. right. Like it's, there's excitement and there's product coming from companies that is innovative and CES just happens to be that right. launching ground. Yeah, they're the facilitator, but uh, yeah, collectively these companies have got it right. Good, good adjustment. A second topic is related to tech layoffs. Of course, the end of 2022, beginning of 23, we had a lot of layoffs. They range between uh, Microsoft kind of 8% up to Meta at almost 30% uh, that of their workforce that they laid off. And then it's been pretty quiet on the front until recently. We had uh, companies like Google, Unity letting 25%. Google was a pretty small percentage, call it one, 2%. Uh, uh, Duolingual. Uh, Twitch, we're kind of vaccine uh, layoffs again. And like one side of me was, but we didn't see the bump. We didn't see the reacceleration after everything kind of settled out. We're just not seeing that big uptake again or, or kind of reaccelerating re to growth. I guess it's it's important to look where the layoffs are, are happening too. I think that tells part of the story. It does. And I remember Spotify before this kind of uh, tranche of three or four. I think Spotify was the last big one. And off the top of my head, I think they were kind of like mid-teens as a percentage of total workforce, um, the riff that they did about a month ago. And uh, we were doing some media around that, actually. And I think I said at that time, I thought like maybe we were 70% of the way through the normalization of some of the workforces that got excessively bloated 
in 2021 when everybody was just investing for growth. And so I think this just speaks to that. I think we're still probably 70, maybe now we're 75% of the way there. But I wouldn't be surprised if you do still see a handful of you know, meaningful, significant kind of maybe for some it's mid single digits, maybe for others it's mid teens kind of cuts at some of these companies because things did go crazy in 2021. And it takes a long time to right size. I think it takes longer than you would expect. And one of the one of the uh, common mistakes we always saw companies make uh, as analysts and now as investors is most companies, and this is human nature, you don't want to cut to the bone, but that's what you should do. And the one thing I'll say about Unity, this is a 25% riff. They've done other ones before that I think were around 10%. That feels like cutting to the bone. Great. And um, I think they're making the right choice. It's really hard. They got super bloated. Now we have new management. Uh, it's a stock that we actually were buying a little bit of at the end of last year. So we do like the new management team. And I agree with this move, even though it's very aggressive. I uh, never like seeing people lose their jobs. That's the headline uh, as investors were uh, like the focus, like that cutting to the bone, because that obviously means margin improvements. And just one final thought, we've gone back and spent a lot of time on this topic, as Doug mentioned, over the past couple of years. And if you look at at least the big tech, uh, call it the old fang, is that they had uh, still... Uh, have grown their headcount faster than revenue since the beginning of the pandemic, even with these cuts. So it gets back to your point, Doug, there's still some more uh, tweaks. Uh, that's probably the best way to think about it uh, in the year ahead related to headcount. Uh, speaking of cuts, Hertz made a big cut here. We'll go Good to our segue. third topic. Yeah, this was uh, rewinding uh, into 2022. Hertz makes an announcement they're going to buy 125,000 EVs from Polster. And then I think they changed that to 100,000 from Tesla. I'm not sure how many of those 100,000 they actually bought, but just a ton of excitement that kind of coincided with uh, the peak of Tesla's stock. The bull case at the time was that Tesla was, or that uh, these all these cars were going to get into the rental market. People who don't own a Tesla will get in, will experience it. Uh, they'll go out and they will buy the, buy the cars and uh, all things are good. That did not happen. In 2023, Tesla grew their deliveries by 37%. That, of course, was below the benchmark that people were shooting for going into 23, which was 50%. And so uh, that, uh, you know, this halo effect related to Hertz uh, didn't play out. There's reasons for that. It was partially EV demand, partially high interest rates. But then, of course, the big news today is that uh, Hertz is cutting those 20,000. How many actual Teslas they have? My guess is they probably have 60,000, so they're cutting a big piece. And at the end of the day, people just don't want these cars. And so they don't want to have them in inventory. Yeah, I saw the CEO did an uh, interview on CNBC. I caught a clip of it earlier. And he basically said, you know, the demand just isn't what we expected. I mean, those were the words he used when he was describing why the cut uh, maybe shouldn't be surprising given some of the things we're seeing now in terms of a relative slowdown in EV sales, obviously they're still growing. Um, I think there's there's actually just a, a very specific factor to renting cars that we learned at Deepwater. Uh, one of Gene's and my partners, Joe, rented an electric car, I think from Hertz, actually. It was uh, a Polestar from Hertz. A Polestar. It was a Polestar at our last quarterly meeting a couple months ago. And he said uh, the problem with renting it was you have to return it fully charged. And the charging infrastructure 
in some places. It's just not obviously as people don't know uh, how to charge them either. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. You got to learn how to charge it or know how to charge it to begin with. He does have an electric car, so he knew how. But finding the station was a pain for him, mm-hmm. right? Right, where it's like gas stations. There's ten gas stations within you know a quarter mile of most rental places, and so I think just from a again, you get back to why does it take so long for new technology to uh, prevail? Certainly in the physical world, it's because the infrastructure is just not there. And so from a practical standpoint, you know, I'd always, at least right now, still want to rent a gas car, not an electric car, because you don't have to deal with that painful, you know, charging experience. Yeah, definitely charging is a pain point. I think that, you know, there's two ways to read this update is one is that EVs are just kind of taking this slow and gradual and perpetual step back, and it's going to be 50 years before we get there. I'm still optimistic that this is going to be a good year for EVs. I think that the market overall is going to probably grow 50%. I think that the overall uh, car, of course, coming off of a smaller base is more like 10%. And I think these headwinds around charging, especially when you're renting the car, that to me makes sense that People would have uh, had those types of experiences. And I think another headwind is price and interest rates. Another headwind is range anxiety. That's probably never going to quite go away, even with a 400-mile battery. Uh, but so I'm still in this camp. I, I have a prediction that, uh, that Tesla is going to maintain their U.S. EV market share in 2024. Uh, it's about 50% based on Cox Automotive, 51 to be exact. It actually rose a percent from September to December. Most people think that Tesla's market share is going to drift to the uh, mid-30s to 40%. So I'm still on board. I'm still on board with EVs. I think they're the future. Yes, it's going to take longer. I can give you the final word here on this topic, but my view is uh, this is not throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to EVs, a setback but we're still moving towards a future of all electric. One of the hardest things about being a tech investor is that you have to be a natural optimist. I think all the greatest tech investors are uh, in many cases, pure optimists. And you only have to get a couple really big ones, right? That's really all that matters at the end of the day. And I've always struggled because I, I call myself a rational optimist. And my issue with EVs has always been, not that I don't think it's going to happen, just that I think it's going to take way longer than everybody thinks. And ultimately, timing does matter when you think about generating returns as an investor. If you're too early, right, you're not going to get the returns you want. You're going to be sitting in something that maybe gets some hype spike and then falls back down and you have to deal with that aftermath. And obviously, if you're too late, then you're probably not a tech investor to begin with. At that point, Mm -hmm. you're looking at real cash flows. So I, I think there's always this careful balance you have to manage as a tech-focused investor of you got to be an optimist. You have to be uh, excited about where the world is going, and we are, but you also have to be practical when there are certain things that might be headwinds uh, in the near term. And I'll, I'll leave it at set aside EVs. AI is the next logical question. We're super, super optimistic about that. A lot of people are really optimistic about that. And we'll have to see over the next 12, 18, 24 months, are there roadblocks we see there and be able to reassess and be dynamic in our thinking of of that as a massive trend as well. Can't wait. That will be the gift that keeps giving AI. And that's a wrap for this week. On behalf of Doug, Gene, and Deep Tech 315, bye for now.